Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. We don't often get to hear from uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, so I want to continue our reflections on Ephesians today. But I want to start with a line from a different letter, a different Pauline epistle, his letter to the Romans, where Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of salvation for all who believe. The word there he used for power is the Greek word dunamis. Dunamis is where we get the word dynamite. It's explosive power. This message that Paul was traveling around the world proclaiming, it was an explosive message. It's, it's really amazing sometimes. I was sitting in my, my chapel this morning reading, again, some section of Paul. And just imagining, like, he was writing in a context where, like, there weren't basilicas. There weren't this, this whole organized Christianity thing yet. It was so in sort of proto-form, and there he is with such boldness and conviction uh, writing to these churches. He was so convicted of this message that he had. It was power. It was explosive. And it was explosive in a good sense, right? It transformed people's lives, but it was also explosive in the sense that it was disruptive, right? It was overturning and undermining the powers that be, both civilly, culturally, governmentally, but most especially in terms of the spiritual powers that be. Right? Our battle is not with flesh and blood. We're going to hear this tomorrow. Our battle is not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers that the cosmos, in the grip of the enemy, his whole kingdom was being blown up ever since the resurrection. What we see throughout the church, throughout the course of history, what we see is what happens when the gospel has deeply penetrated the soil of people's lives, when this explosive message enters someone's life, when they encounter personally the life-changing power of Jesus, like when they discover personally what it means to have been saved saved by Jesus from the powers of sin and death and hell and all of these things. What does it look like when that story has been personally appropriated in someone's life? Well, you see a saint. That's what you see when you look at church history. You see a St. Paul. You see a a St. Ignatius of Antioch who, like, was so desirous of giving witness, ultimate witness to Jesus that he wrote to the churches, to the people of Antioch, saying, do not prevent my martyrdom. I wish to be ground in the teeth of lions like wheat flour. You see a St. Augustine of Hippo who was a, for all intents and purposes, he was a playboy of the third century who turned into a saint and mystic, someone who understood the human heart probably better than anybody in history. You get a Catherine of Siena who told the Pope to go back to Rome and do his job. <laughs> you get a Francis of Assisi who, in his imitation of the poor Christ, like rediscovered the riches of the church and tr- just radically transformed the church in the 13th century. You get a Mother Teresa who, along with her sisters, served the poorest of the poor in the most gruesome slums of the world in Calcutta, India, right? You, the gospel is revolutionary, right? It's explosive. It transforms people's lives, and those transformed lives transform the world. In the first reading, right, the first reading we have from Ephesians, we had it yesterday, we have it today, we'll have it tomorrow. What we, what we begin to glimpse in what Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus is like this initial, like the initial explosion, Right, the initial trajectory shift, the initial 
transformation of the culture. Right? We see something in, in seminal form that to us, 2,000 years after the resurrection of Jesus, 2,000 years later, we're, we just don't really see it as that explosive, right? We hear what Paul's writing about, what Paul's writing about in Ephesians, you hear him talking about the relationship between husbands and wives, the relationship between fathers and their children, the relationship between masters and slaves, which, again, none of which seems all that revolutionary, but believe me, it is. This is explosive and revolutionary. So first, the husbands and wives bit. We heard that yesterday. In the ancient world, there was no sense whatsoever of mutual reciprocity between husbands and wives. Wives existed, women existed for the sake of men's pleasure and for the sake of childbearing. There was no sense of love whatsoever in the marriage bond. There was no sense of mutual respect or admiration. There was no sacrificing in that sense, right? And here you have Paul calling upon husbands not only to love their wives, but to love them in imitation of Christ who offered up his flesh in the most gruesome manner to protect and preserve and love his beloved, right? All of this was unheard of. This is, this is a huge part, by the way, of why Christianity exploded in the first century. It was so attractive. It drew so many women initially. Women were so drawn to the gospel message because it was revolutionary. It called upon a total transformation of the relationship between the sexes. This thing about fathers and children was also revolutionary. What we hear today in the first reading, that in the ancient world, the father was the pater familias. He was the one who was the absolute tyrannical head of the household. Right? He had absolute power, absolute authoritarian rule over his family. And he was the one who even got to decide if his child lived or died, right? So much so that, you know, his wife gives birth to the child and the father would inspect the child. If he found some deformity, if he found something he didn't like, if it was this sex instead of this sex, the father would just say, take it to the edge of the city, take it to the brow of the hill and leave the child there. That's what they would do. That's what they would do. But here, Paul is saying to fathers, do not provoke your children. Bring them up to know the Lord. Inculcate them, inculcate in them the virtues of holiness. He's saying, bring them up to know the Lord. How? By being the first image of God the Father to them. Like in, other, in other parts of Paul's writings, he talks about fatherhood being a participation in God's fatherhood. Again, revolutionary stuff. He's saying the Father's heart is a heart of tenderness and power and a heart that loves. And he's calling upon, he was calling upon men to have a revolutionary approach to their love of their children. This is huge stuff. Finally, this thing about slaves. You have a lot of people critical of Paul saying, you know, the Bible's endorsing slavery. Okay, well, not exactly. Paul's not endorsing slavery. First of all, Slavery was part of every civilization known to man. Every civilization that has left us a written record of its existence in some capacity had some form of slavery, right? America did not invent slavery with the Atlantic slave trade, contrary to what a lot of people believe. But notice what Paul says about slaves and masters. This is great. He says, masters, be kind and obedient. Masters, be kind and obedient. Masters, act in the same way towards them as you want them to act towards you. Revolutionary. And he says to them, stop bullying. Stop bullying them. 
And realize, he says, know that you, you and them, master and slave, you both have a master that's over all of you who's in heaven. And with him, there's no partiality. That's what he says. In other words, he's saying, hey, masters, remember that you will stand before the master and be accountable for what you've done, how you've treated others. Friends, I just want to invite us again to, today to see how the gospel is revolutionary. It's so subversive. It's so powerful. It transforms everything it touches. And the prayer today is like that we would not just simply come to another daily mass and go home the same way as we came here, but that Jesus, by the power of his word, by the power of the sacrament, would explode some new life in us today, that we would leave here again transformed. Right? That just like the Magi who came to encounter Christ, they left by a different road, it's because they encountered something and they were transformed. I just pray that every day when we come here, it's not just like ho-hum, that daily mass is part of our daily devotional life. It's better, it better be something more than that. It better be something more than that because it's explosive and what a privilege it is to gather around the Lord's altar. So Lord, transform us again today. Explode your life-giving power in our hearts that we would be agents of transformation in the world. Amen.